everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm Bobby Sylvester, not joined today by Mike Tagliere. He's still not back yet, but we are joined by Jared Smola of DraftSharks.com. And Jared's on Twitter, at SmolaDS. I'm at Bobby Fantasy Pro, And we're going to be taking an in-depth look at the first round today, maybe talking about the top 15 overall players. Then we're going to jump over and talk about the NFC West as we continue our divisional previews. And uh, so we've got a, a packed show today, Jared. Appreciate you coming on. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is uh, sort of like a bucket list thing, you know, get on the Fantasy Pros podcast so I can I can check that off. Well, that's cool, man. I'm, we're really glad to have you on. You do great work. All right, so we're just going to jump right into it. Like I mentioned, we've got a lot of stuff going on here, Jared, and uh, we're starting out with the first round, and we're going to go pretty in-depth here because, you know, we can talk about Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott here and there, but for the most part, everyone knows, like, these guys are high first-round picks, but if you've got the 1-1 pick, are you going with Barkley, Elliott, maybe Kamara or McCaffrey? All right, so as of now, I would go Saquon Barkley, and I say that only because of the Ezekiel Elliott suspension talk, and we know that he's actually meeting with Commissioner Roger Goodell this week. So so we'll see about that. If he escapes without a suspension, I would lean Zeke over Saquon Barkley just because I trust that offense. I trust that offensive line a bit more than I do, you know, what's what's going on in New York right now. Yeah, I'm with you on, uh, on taking Zeke over Barkley, and um, this is kind of odd for me because I had Barkley. I was telling people Barkley is my one-one. I, I really don't even think it's close. Maybe three weeks ago, but I've really come around to the idea that the Giants just aren't going to score as much. Ezekiel Elliott does it every single year. Three hundred carries again last year. Seventy-seven receptions. If he's on the field, he's going to get near two thousand all-purpose yards. He's going to be scoring the touchdowns as well. And yeah, Barkley is a more talented running back, but with the offense the way that it is, you know, Eli Manning's a year older. Odell Beckham's gone. How often are they going to stack the box? We saw Todd Gurley, one of the most, you know, talented running backs in the NFL. He was terrible when they stacked the box against him, you know, 50% of plays for the Rams just a couple years ago. And I think that might be the case with Barkley. So we'll see what happens. I'm going Elliott. I think it's safer. Exactly. I mean, I think David Johnson last year is the best potential comparison for Saquon Barkley this year. I mean, David Johnson, I think still an elite running back, but just it's tough to overcome an offense that's that poor. And, you know, David Johnson was okay last year. He still finished right around the top 10, but he was disappointing for where you drafted him. If you look at the Giants last year, that offense wasn't as bad as a lot of people think. They ranked 16th in points. They were 17th in total yards, 14th in yards per play. But I think it's going to be significantly worse this year. Like you said, Eli Manning, another year older. Daniel Jones, if he comes in there, he's a rookie quarterback. And of course, no Odell Beckham. So I think the offense is going to be quite a bit worse than what we saw even last season. Yeah. So who do you have number two? Is it Saquon Barkley? I'm leaning Alvin Kamara right now, even at number two, just because that Saints offense is, it's reliable. Yeah, I have Saquon too for now, just because again, he is an elite talent. He's going to see that workhorse volume. So I think, you know, he, he at least lays a decent floor week to week because of that volume. But yeah, I mean, Kamara, I would not be shocked if we get to the end of the season and he's the number one running back. I think it's really just up to Sean Payton and how much volume he wants to give Kamara. We saw it last year in those first four games without Mark Ingram. Uh, Alvin Kamara was getting workhorse volume and was the number one fantasy running back by a pretty significant margin. Here's my knock on Kamara is uh, he doesn't have over 200 carries in a season. He had 120 in 2017, 194 in 2018. Now, granted, he still finished as the top five fantasy running back both years. And also they brought in Latavius Murray, who's been the most efficient running back on the goal line in the NFL over the last two seasons. And uh, I'm not sure Kamara is going to get that many goal line opportunities. He had 32 touchdowns the first two years. Maybe that comes back a little bit. 
Yeah, I mean, he has had pretty high touchdown rates, so it wouldn't be surprising if he scores a bit less. Um, I do think Latavius Murray is going to step in and see at least the same amount of work Mark Ingram saw near the goal line. But you know, in the Saints offense, I think there's enough to go around. I'm not too worried about Kamara's touchdowns you know, sinking too much. Um, but like you said, the, the lack of rushing volume compared to Barkley and Elliott is what keeps him outside the top two for me. Yeah. So do you have Kamara as number three or is it McCaffrey, somebody else? If we're talking full PPR, I have McCaffrey as my RB3 and Kamara at four. And half PPR, that would change? Yeah, half PPR, Kamara bumps ahead of McCaffrey. But I have Barkley and Zeke one and two across formats. I'll say this, since I had Kamara as my number two, if that was standard, I'd move Barkley up to number two. I'd say in half PPR, which is what I'm primarily talking about, is uh, Kamara two, Barkley three, but it's really close. I'm not going to fault anyone for taking any of those three number one. Uh, I'm a big McCaffrey guy, at least I was last year, but I'm worried with Cam Newton coming back and probably having a more healthy shoulder, he's not going to check down to McCaffrey quite as much. I don't know if they'll be able to give him as many touches as he got last season. What was it, 326 touches? I love McCaffrey. He's even bigger than he was last year, if you can believe it. Um, But he's my clear number four behind those three. Yeah, tough to see him matching last year's reception you know, numbers. They were just so massive. And I think you know, you're know you getting Greg Olson back. Who knows how long he'll stay healthy. We'll see about that. I think DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, a couple young wide receivers are in for bigger target shares this year. So I think McCaffrey's volume sinks a bit. I don't think it sinks a ton, though, because the guy is you know one of the best pass-catching running backs in the NFL. So I'm not super worried about that. But yeah, it's enough. So you're not moving him out of number four? You're still keeping him there? Or are you moving David Johnson, Melvin Gordon up there? No, yeah. Uh, McCaffrey is, you know, clearly... To me, there's a clear top four, the four we talked about. Then there's a bit of a gap down to the next couple guys. So if you get to pick your draft order, do you want, I'm assuming, pick three or four so you can just make sure you get one of these guys? Or do you still want pick number one? Nope, it's definitely four for me. There's not a big enough gap between... These four guys, I think, you know, the earlier pick you get in round two is definitely worth what you're losing from, you know, one to four. I think I'd rather have pick three than pick four, but it's really close. It's probably pick three, pick four, pick two, and then pick one in that order. And I think pick five is the worst pick to have. Would you agree with that? Um, You know, I, I wouldn't. I'd, I'd rather have five or six because I like Melvin Gordon and David Johnson enough where I'd like to just get one of those you know, elite workhorse running back. So, so to me, I think seven is the pick I would, I would least want to have. Yeah. I don't know what I would quite do at seven. We'll get there in just a minute. Um, before we do though, I want to tell you guys about an offer that we have going on. Um, so if you've been waiting to play Yahoo DFS like me, I just took way too long for me to get over there. You know, I was playing on some of the other sites, but I started playing on Yahoo DFS for baseball. I'm a really big baseball guy, if you don't already know that. I also host the Fantasy Pros Baseball Podcast, and we just actually finished recording an episode right before this one. Um, but I play Yahoo DFS on baseball this season pretty much every day, and I love it. And if you want to make the jump over, we've got an offer where you can get six months free of our Hall of Fame subscription. That's a $65 value at FantasyPros.com, and you get access to all our premium features, tools, and content all you have to do is be a new user to Yahoo DFS and deposit 10 bucks. 10 bucks that you can win money with for a $65 value, and that's at fantasypros.com slash offer. And you can check that out for more details. Again, that's fantasypros.com slash offer. Uh, so let's jump back over to it. I think the tier is 1 through 3 and then 4 through 6. So, uh, you know, I think I agree with you. I, I'd be okay with getting pick 5, and I'd probably take David Johnson just over Melvin Gordon. Those two are so interchangeable in my mind, though. And then after that, yeah, there's a huge drop-off to seven. 
Who do you have five? Is it Gordon or is it Johnson? Yeah, Gordon's my five. I just feel a bit safer with him because we've seen him do it for, you know, three straight years now. He's been a top eight running back in three straight seasons. He finished fifth in uh, PPR points per game last year behind only those four guys we just talked about. I think David Johnson probably brings a bit more upside if everything goes well in Arizona. You know, I think he he has a better chance to finish number one at running back than uh, Gordon does. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think David Johnson could be a league winner. Gordon's not going to hurt you at all. Now, last year, he only had 12 starts, and he was still phenomenal with 14 touchdowns. He's going to get in the end zone. He's really safe. I wouldn't be surprised at all if David Johnson touched the ball 350 times like we saw in 2016. What was it, actually? 373, 20 touchdowns. We know the Cardinals are going to run maybe 10, 15 more plays per game than they did last year when they had the slowest offense in the NFL. So I love Johnson's upside. The surrounding talent, I mean, it certainly helps that he's with a running quarterback. We've seen that help running backs before, but the offensive line still is not very good. In Los Angeles, they've got a, a really good offensive line. Yeah, that, you know, that's that's the thing. I think the Chargers, you know, I, I think it's probably a top five team in the NFL. And you sort of mentioned it with Saquon Barkley. We want our running backs to be on good football teams, so they're not playing catch up and you know they have the ball and they're sustaining drive so that's sort of the mark in Melvin Gordon's favor that the knock against Gordon is durability you know he's missed nine games over four NFL seasons now so that's sort of the risk but when he's on the field you know he's a pretty good bet for top five production you're right so here we are pick number seven and, and first of all ECR which is the expert consensus rankings all the rankings throughout the industry from a lot of fantasy analysts let's see we've got 65 experts right now in ECR they've got one, Barkley, two, Elliott, three, McCaffrey, four, Kamara, five, Gordon, six, Johnson. So pretty much right in line with what we've been talking about. And ADP is exactly the same. We've also got Hopkins number seven in ECR. Hopkins is number seven in ADP. Is that who you would take here? It's not. My seven, honestly, right now is probably Travis Kelsey. Oh, yes. I love hearing <laughs> this, man. I'm so high on Kelsey and uh, I would definitely take him in the first round. I don't know if I would go seven quite yet. I've got Julio Jones here, but it is a big deal getting Travis Kelsey compared to the other tight ends. Yeah, again, I just think the edge he gives you at that position is so much bigger than what you're going to get, you know, say at wide receiver by taking Hopkins or even a Julio Jones, who I, by the way, have as my number one wide receiver. So I'm with you there. But yeah, Travis Kelsey, I mean, he's finished number one among tight ends in three straight seasons. Last season, he, he had the fourth best fantasy season by a tight end in NFL history. And I think he could be better this year when you think about Tyreek Hill maybe not being there for, you know, four plus games and Patrick Mahomes, who really should still be getting better in just his second season as a starter. Yeah, I think that there's a, a lot of upside with Kelsey and a really safe floor. I mean, his floor is probably finishing three or four fantasy points per game better than the tight end four, right? I mean, that's an incredible floor. And then he's got this this ceiling to be if he was a wide receiver, the number one wide receiver in football, and we're talking about him as a tight end. So we remember Rob Gronkowski when he put up that historical season. If Tyree kills out six, eight games, Kelsey could do that this year. We were drafting Rob Gronkowski fifth overall. Right. Yeah. I believe that Kelsey's uh, fantasy point total last year would have been like eighth best among wide receivers. So you're, you're basically getting a wide receiver one in your tight end spot. And I, I, even with Zach Ertz and George Kittle, I have some concerns about those guys. You know, Ertz with Dallas Goddard there potentially stealing some targets. Kittle, I just think he's due to regress. He was so, so efficient last season. So I think his numbers might take a step back. And again, I think Kelsey could be even more productive this season. You know, so Jared, when we're looking at uh, our rankings, a lot of people think different things with rankings. It's 
You know, some people are putting their rankings where they think the players will end up in terms of VBD. Some are saying, this is how I would draft. Which is it for you with Kelsey? Because I think if you've, if you're in a 10 team league and you've got the number seven pick, I think Kelsey's getting back to you in the second round. So would you take that chance? You, you need to factor in ADP when, when you're drafting, obviously. I mean, I think everyone knows that. So, yeah, someone like Travis Kelsey, you know, I, I don't have his ADP in front of me. It seems like it's climbing. 16 right now. Okay, 16, yeah. so Which is still not high enough. I would take him 9 or 10 probably. Yeah, it's it's not high enough, but, you know, if you're talking, if you're picking 7 and you're you're, you know, waiting to the middle of round two for your next pick. I think it's probably, you know, less than a 50-50 chance that he's making it back to you. So I'd probably lean towards just taking Kelsey there. I think if you get to, you know, pick nine or 10, that's when you can gamble, you know, maybe take a Julio Jones or one of these other running backs and then hope Kelsey gets back to you in the second. So after Kelsey, are you going with a running back or a wide receiver next? I have um, three wide receivers next to my rankings. Okay. And this will be interesting because there's a top tier of five wide receivers. You can put them in whatever order. And I don't think anyone reasonable is going to complain. Yeah. I mean, I I do think DeAndre Hopkins is probably the safest bet. Last year, he was a top 36 PPR wide receiver in every single game he played. So from week to week, he was just super reliable. He's also missed just one. And he was playing hurt. And he was playing hurt. He was playing hurt. And I like that he plays through injuries because the guy's only missed one game through six NFL seasons. So you, you sort of you know know he's going to be out there for you. So he just gives you that reliability. So if you're looking for safety, I can't argue with Hopkins you know, in that seven or eight spot. Yeah, I definitely like Hopkins. I've got him as my number two wide receiver right now behind Julio Jones. I just am a little bit worried about Kiki QT and Will Fuller both being on the field at the same time. And Deshaun Watson getting killed. 62 sacks last year. They didn't do much to help their offensive line. Now, Watson is phenomenal, right? If he was able to do that with 62 sacks, he's got upside for a lot more. He was so efficient last year, too. I thought he was going to come crashing back down to earth, but he just got so much better. Touchdown rate wasn't there, but that was the only difference. But yeah, Hopkins has a huge floor and a huge ceiling. I've got Jones by just a little bit. Yeah, I agree. The offensive line in Houston is a concern for all of these guys. Um, They added a couple of rookies in the first and second round, so we'll see if that helps. Um, And and yeah, like you mentioned, I do think DeAndre Hopkins' target volume is set to take a bit of a hit. He saw 32% of the Texans' targets last season. That's just a huge number. So if if QD and Will Fuller can, can stay healthy, um, and play more games than they did last year, I think we see, you know, Hopkins come down to, you know, 27, 28% of the targets. Even still, he's a guaranteed top five wide receiver if he's on the field for 16 games. He's really safe. Who do you have as your number two receiver? Is it Julio Jones? I actually have Julio as my number one guy, and Hopkins is my number two. So I'm, I'm with you on Julio. Everyone complains about the touchdown production, and yeah, it's not quite to the level of a Hopkins or a Devontae Adams, but you know, Julio Jones is just a yardage monster, 1,400-plus yards in five straight seasons now. No wide receiver has more receiving yards over the past five years. Um, and he's back in Dirk Cutter's offense this season. Julio spent three years in Cutter's offense um, earlier in his career and put up monster numbers. He averaged 94 yards per game, half a touchdown per game. So, you know, we'll we'll take those numbers. A lot of people are asking me, because I've got Julio Jones, I mean, as my number one wide receiver. Hey, aren't you worried about Calvin Ridley? Well, I mean, sure, but he was there last year, and Julio Jones put up almost 1,700 receiving yards. Exactly, yeah, and Dirk Cutter has been a pass-heavy play caller throughout his coaching career, including those three years in Atlanta, so I think there's plenty of targets going on. I don't think... Ridley is going to eat into Julio Jones's targets. He might eat into Mohamed Sanu or Austin Hooper or, or whoever. Yep, I agree with that. So we've got seven and eight. 
Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins. We'll get to pick nine here in just a second. Uh, but first, I want to talk to you guys about Roman. Guys are terrible at taking care of their health, whether it's a knee injury, a bad back, something worse. I might have broke my pinky yesterday playing full contact pool volleyball. I should probably go to the doctor, but I haven't yet. It's just an example, right? Guys are usually more comfortable just rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. I'm guilty of it myself, like I just mentioned. The same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman's created an easy way for you to chat with your doctor online. With Roman, you can get medical care for ED, if appropriate, from the comfort and privacy of your own home. You can handle everything online in a convenient, discreet manner. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash FantasyPros and complete an online visit. If your doctor decides treatment would be appropriate, they can prescribe genuine medication that can be delivered in discreet packaging right to your door with free two-day shipping. Guys, go talk to your doctor. Erectile dysfunction can be tough to tackle, but it's really important to get checked out. With Roman, it's easy to connect to your doctor. Just go to GetRoman.com slash FantasyPros to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash FantasyPros for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash FantasyPros. All right, moving on to nine. You know, like I mentioned, I don't think there's much of a difference between wide receiver one, two, three, four, five, but this is where I start to put in running backs here. You said you've got your third wide receiver, so who is it? Yeah, Devontae Adams for me, sort of the same argument as DeAndre Hopkins. I just think he's super safe. You know, he's Aaron Rodgers' number one wide receiver. That's worth a lot. He's really... The only guy I think on that roster right now that Rodgers completely trusts. So you know, Adam saw a boatload of targets last year. I think he's going to get a boatload of targets this season. And we talked about DeAndre Hopkins. He was a top 36 wide receiver in every game last year. So was Devonta Adams. He missed the uh, season finale, but he was a top 36 wide receiver in all 15 of, of his games last season. You know, three straight seasons with double-digit touchdowns as well. Uh, 169 targets. And I heard Aaron Rodgers say, you know, I went back and looked at all the tape. And Devontae Adams was open a lot more than I actually passed in the ball. So maybe he, he bumps up to 190 this year. I don't have him as my number three wide receiver. I've got Odell Beckham just because I think he's the most talented receiver in the NFL. I think he's in the best situation out of all of these receivers. DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones included. I just think Odell Beckham with a history of soft tissue issues. That worries me a little bit, and that could really kill you. But I think Beckham has the best chance of anyone to be the wide receiver one at season's end. I would agree with it. I think Beckham has the ceiling over Devonta Adams. If you're looking safety, I think Adams is your guy. But with Beckham, it, I mean, it's it's tough to overstate what the quarterback upgrade is going to mean for him. I mean, Baker Mayfield as a rookie last year, 7.7 yards per attempt. Eli Manning has topped 7.7 yards per attempt in just two of his 15 NFL seasons, and <laughs> none of those none of those have come recently. I mean, so it's just a huge upgrade for Beckham at quarterback and I still think Beckham is you know one of if not the most talented wide receiver in the NFL so I've got Devontae Adams as my number four wide receiver Michael Thomas is my number five which just feels wrong because he was the most efficient wide receiver in the NFL last year and it wasn't even close in fact he was the most efficient wide receiver in NFL history last year yeah he was his uh, 85.0% catch rate that's just insane it's easily the best all time among 949 wide receiver seasons of 100 plus targets that that's almost the problem though is that that number almost has to come down this season I think Thomas's catch rate over his first few years was you know somewhere in the high 70s which is still an awesome number but you know it's a pretty big dip so I think that's going to come down a bit and then you know you have the Saints obviously a pretty run heavy offense at this point so that that's why Thomas is also my uh, fifth ranked wide receiver 
So let's say, though, he was at 147 targets last year. Let's say the Saints just come out and they're like, if Michael Thomas is going to be this good, we're just going to give him the ball 170 times. Would he be the wide receiver one? Um, He'd be in the mix. I mean, because if he sees that type of target um, increase, it's pretty much going to offset any dip we'd expect in volume. So I think you could at least pencil him in for the same production he had last season. So you've got your three receivers, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams. Then what running back are you going with? Yeah, so I have Joe Mixon next on my list. Um, just just lo- love the talent. have loved him since he came out of Oklahoma and really obviously put it together last season in that workhorse ho- role. Finished 10th among running backs in PPR points, and that was despite missing two games. Um, they, uh, unfortunately, you know, they already lost their first-round offensive lineman, Jonah Williams. Um, I was, you know, hoping that O-line was going to be quite a bit better this season. Maybe it still is, but, you know, losing Williams hurts. But, again, Mixon, talent and volume, I think he's he's a pretty solid later first-round pick. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I've got Jones, 7. Hopkins, 8. I've got Dalvin Cook, number 9, which is going to make a lot of people mad. Um, but he's just been so good when he's been on the field. They didn't allow him to be a workhorse last season because he was, you know, still recovering from the ACL. He's a full season apart. Latavius Murray's gone. I know they drafted Madison. I still like Mike Boone more than Madison. I think he's going to end up being the direct backup. But Dalvin Cook, we saw him as a workhorse before he went down as a rookie, and he was a stud. He can catch balls. Uh, He's as elusive as any running back in the NFL. I think he's got true RB1 upside. Like Kelsey, I don't think I have to take him here, but I'm ranking him here. He, he just needs to stay healthy. That's really it with Dalvin Cook, because I agree. I think he's an elite talent. I think we're going to see the Vikings run a ton more this year than they did last year. You know, They had John Filippo there as offensive coordinator for the first 13 games. He got fired, reportedly, because he wasn't running the ball enough. So then they promote, they promote Kevin Stefanski to OC. They go run heavy over the last three games. Dalvin Cook has, has some monster production in those three games. Stefanski's back for this season, so I think it's going to be an offense that, you know, is, is quite a bit run heavier than what we saw last year. So I've got Dalvin Cook, 9, Travis Kelsey, 10, who you already mentioned. Where, where do you have Dalvin Cook in your rankings? Cook is at 15th overall for me. Okay. Yep. Yeah, and that's actually higher than the consensus has him. Uh, they have him at 19. ADP is also 19 for Dalvin Cook. Uh, who else do you have rounding out your top 12? So my 12th guy, and it's reluctantly, is Le'Veon Bell. Um, honestly, I, I'm not even sure I would draft him at 12. That's where he sits, you know, in my rankings based on projections at this, at this point. Um, you know, you, you still like the volume you're going to get. Um, you know, the Jets obviously paid him a boatload of money, so he, he's going to be the guy in that backfield. But I just think there's a lot of risk with him. You know, obviously, um, he, you know, hasn't played a meaningful game in, you know, close to two years by the time he takes the field, um, for the start of 2019. He's in a new offense. He's going to have a big, big, offensive line downgrade too. I mean, the O-lines he was running behind in Pittsburgh were, you know, were top five, top 10 units. And the Jets last year were one of the worst run blocking O-lines in the NFL. Yep. I agree with that. And I've said this before, if James Conner was the one that went to the Jets instead of Le'Veon Bell, would we be drafting him in the first round? I think everyone's answer would be no. James Conner was more efficient than Le'Veon Bell. The difference is Le'Veon Bell gets more volume, 85 receptions in 2017. You also mentioned the risk being out for a full season. Apparently he ballooned to 260 pounds. That's not good. I'm not sure who Le'Veon Bell is going to be. Um, I've got him at number 15 overall. His ADP right now is number eight. Uh, I'm not quite willing to do that, and I don't blame me for having him in the top 12 because he is going to be a wide receiver too, and he's a running back one, right? 
Um, but I've actually got Todd Gurley ahead of Le'Veon Bell. And I know a lot of people are like, dude, are you serious? Uh, because everyone's thinking, oh, I'll just let Todd Gurley fall to the third. He's not my problem. If you take out 25% of his fantasy points over the last two years, he's still the number one fantasy asset. 25%. So yeah, okay, let's say he goes back 35% this year. That's a humongous drop. That's probably about what everyone's expecting. Still top five running back. I'm going to gamble on Todd Gurley in the early second. I'll probably be able to get him in the late second. I've got him as my number 14 player with Odell Beckham, Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas at 11, 12, 13. Um, so who else do you have in this range that you would consider in the first round? Yeah, so I mean, first of all, with Gurley, I think you're on the right track there. I like him more than consensus at this point. I think you know anywhere in the early to mid-second round, he starts to make sense, just when you sort of weigh the risk versus reward. Because even, like you said, even if he sees his volume scaled back by you know 25 to 30%, he's still going to be a top five running back with a chance to finish number one. It's just that's how good that that Rams offense and that Rams running game has been. So, um, But I actually have James Conner ranked ahead of um, Todd Gurley as well. Not going to fight you on that one. I've got him number 16. And we'll see. I mean, the talk this offseason has been that they're going to scale back his work from last year with Jalen Samuels seeing, you know, some more work. Benny Snell, their fourth-round rookie, seeing more work. Um, We'll see about that. You know, the Steelers have pretty consistently been a one-running-back offense under Mike Tomlin. Um, And and Connor, you know, almost like Gurley. I mean, they got Connor averaged uh, close to 17 carries and six targets per game when he was healthy last season. So even if that comes back a bit to, you know, say 14 carries and five targets, that's still a huge, huge workload. You know, uh, a lot of people forget James Conner had cancer and he's just a few years removed from that. So like, no wonder he wore out towards the end of the season. You know, going into week 10, James Conner was the number four running back. It was Todd Gurley at 25 points per game, Melvin Gordon at 22, Alvin Kamara at 21, James Conner at 20. Next best guy was down at 19. That's Kareem Hunt. James Conner was on fire, and then he wore out towards the end of the season. He got hurt. I think that he's still extremely safe. I was a Benny Snell truther in the draft. When they got him, I was like, this might actually make me look okay because it's a great offense to be a part of, but it's James Conner's job. I don't think he's giving up the volume. I don't believe that. Yeah, and it's still a great offensive line he's running behind, and there are a ton of targets up for grabs with Antonio Brown out the door. And, you know, we're talking about guys like Dante Moncrief, James Washington grabbing those, but we could just see more of the target share head to the running backs. All right, we'll move on to the NFC West here in just a second. I'm just going to read off the rest of my top 20. I've got Connor at 16, Antonio Brown at 17, A.J. Green at 18, Amari Cooper at 19, and then Juju Smith-Schuster just ahead of Leonard Fournette and George Kittle. Okay, yeah, so you're lower on Juju. I have him as my wide receiver six, and he's somewhere around 17th overall for me. One guy for me that you know just misses my top 15 that I really like, and you know, he's going more like in the mid-third round, is Aaron Jones in Green Bay. I mean, I, I think he has been super, super efficient um, through two NFL seasons. Mike McCarthy sort of hesitated to ever completely turn the backfield over to him but um, I, I think if he gets the opportunity you know he's a guy who could who could crack the top 10 this season sure so you like Travis Kelsey a lot obviously you're one of these guys that would like to get a tight end early where, where are you on George Kill and Zach Ertz yeah I start to consider those guys in the middle of the third round and usually they're gone by then you know if I don't get Kelsey I'd rather just wait until the fifth and you know get someone like Hunter Henry or OJ Howard yeah, I love Hunter Henry, man. I've got Kittle at 24, Ertz at 28, and like you, I don't have any shares. It's either Kelsey or Henry or I'm crying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
All right, guys, we're going to jump on over to the NFC West preview. We're going to be talking about every fantasy-relevant player from all four teams. Before we do, though, I want to remind you all, we've got a signed Travis Kelsey helmet to give away to one of our listeners. All you have to do to enter is go to fantasybros.com slash contest. It takes about 30 seconds to enter. And then check out Pristine Auction while you're at it. They're one of the sponsors of today's show, and they've got hundreds of items that they auction off every single day. No matter who your team is, no matter who your favorite player is, you're going to be able to find something that you absolutely love. And chances are you're going to find like 20 things you love. I mean, my office is filled with stuff from Pristine Auction now because I always find such good values. There are always values to find every single day. And don't worry, everything's guaranteed authentic from only the most trusted sources at pristineauction.com, P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, auction.com. And when you sign up for Pristine Auction, they ask for a registration code right there at the top. If you just enter Fantasy Pros, all one word, it's going to give you $5 off, and it does us a favor because it tells Pristine Auction, hey, our podcast is actually sending people your way. Again, that's pristineauction.com, P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, auction.com. Now, Jared, let's move on over to the NFC West, and we'll start out with the NFC champions, the Los Angeles Rams. Now, we're going to talk from a fantasy perspective, but I also want to get your uh, your two cents on what's going to happen in the NFL. Are the Rams still the class of this division? Of this division, I think they are. You know, I, I think uh, Arizona and San Francisco are a couple teams on their eyes, um, but I think it's still L.A. Yeah, I think this is maybe the worst division in all of football. Now, the Rams took a big step backward this year. I don't think they're really... I, I wouldn't surprise me if they made the Super Bowl, but they're not in my top four teams to make the Super Bowl from the NFC this year. They lost a lot on defense. They lost a lot on the offensive line. Uh, Jared Goff looked like a human in the second half of the year. I don't know if teams figured him out or what, what the deal was. but um, And then t- the Todd Gurley situation, so we'll see. I think the Rams will run away with this division, but once we get to the playoffs, uh, there's a couple teams that I like quite a bit more. Yeah, I would definitely take the Saints over the Rams at this point. I mean, we, we all know what happened in that game last year. It really should have been the Saints in the Super Bowl. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, just off the top of my head, Green Bay, I think, is right there. Um, and I, I think I think Minnesota is a team that, you know, is, is really going to contend for the NFC crown this season. I agree. Those are my three big teams, Vikings, Packers, Saints. Um, I would take any of those three over the Rams right now. And then it's probably the Rams. Uh, the Bears are in the conversation as well. I mean, let's not forget them in, in the mix of the Vikings and Packers. They won 12 games last year. They won that division by three and a half games. Cowboys are up there, Eagles. There's a lot of competitive teams in the in the NFC. All right, so Rams at 13-3. and three. We'll start with them. And uh, Jared Goff is somebody that a lot of people are eyeing as, you know, they're waiting at quarterback. He's the guy they want. Does it concern you at all that he was just a big turd at the end of the year? I think the issue was the loss of Cooper Cup. Um, so I have I have Goff splits in front of me here in games with and without Cup. So in 24 career games with Cup, um, Goff has averaged 279 yards, 1.9 touchdowns per game. In 11 games without Cup, those numbers dropped to 251 yards, 1.45 touchdowns per game. So I think the key for Goff, as far as a fantasy quarterback goes this year, is you know getting a healthy Cooper Cup back. That's really interesting. I'm looking at uh, Tom Brady, what he's done over the course of his career. Per game, it's not as good as Jared Goff has been with Cooper Cup, so that's interesting. A lot of you guys say Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time. I won't get into that, but um, Jared Goff has been exceptional with Cooper Cup. Now, I'm not drafting any Jared Goff because I'd rather have Kirk Cousins as my guy, Dak Prescott, if I'm waiting on quarterback. Uh, in a two-quarterback league, I like Matthew Stafford, but I can't blame you for liking Jared Goff. I think he's got a top-five quarterback upside, too. Yeah, he does, and you know, kind of like you, I'm not reaching for him. I think he's you know part of that 
know, super, super big tier from like quarterback 10 to 20, where I'm just sort of waiting until the end of that tier and grabbing whoever's left. Um, so I'm not reaching for Goff, but I think he's definitely in the mix. And I think you're going to be fine if he's your quarterback one. Would you rather have uh, Jared Goff than maybe even Cam Newton or Drew Brees? I would rather have Goff than Brees. I'm low on Brees this year. Um, I would rather have Cam Newton as long as that shoulder is checking out okay this summer. Yeah, yeah, and we'll see about that. Um, okay, running back, we talked about Todd Gurley just a little bit. Now, you didn't have him in your top 20, so how far down would it take for Gurley to drop for you to draft him? Probably late second round, so I guess he's probably just outside my top 20. It's it's just a risk-reward thing. So you'll probably get some shares then. I, I will, and I, and I have, yeah, and, and I and I like that. Again, I think he could be a league winner. You know, if, if you're getting him in the second round, if you're pairing Gurley with Zeke Elliott, I mean, that, that, that could be a monster one-two punch at running back. Oh, man, wouldn't that be nuts? Can you imagine? And then right after that, you get Aaron Jones to start your team with three incredible running backs. Yep. I mean, I would say there's probably a, what, 30, 35% chance Todd Gurley's a top three running back this year. If you draft him in the late second round, that's a league winner, no doubt. Yeah, it feels right. And listen, man, I, I buy Daryl Henderson cutting into Gurley's volume a bit this season. But, but like we've said, that can happen. And, you know, this this situation for Gurley is, is still good enough where he can be a top five running back, even if he's seeing a bit less work. So let me ask you two questions about Daryl Henderson then. Where are you drafting him now? And let's say Todd Gurley's one of these guys that it happens every preseason. One guy that we're drafting the first two rounds is out for the season. Let's say Todd Gurley goes down for the season. Are you drafting Daryl Henderson in the first round? Okay, so as of now, I'm drafting Daryl Henderson nowhere near where his ADP is. I think he's going in like the, the fifth or sixth round right now. Um, you know, he, he'd need to get into the eighth or ninth for me to be interested. I don't think he's going to see enough work as long as Todd Gurley's healthy to be more than like a running back three or flex. You know, I think, I think you're looking at somewhere like six to 10 touches per game. If Gurley, let's say Gurley's out for the season, then I think Henderson becomes maybe a third rounder for me because I don't think Henderson would step into Gurley's role. I think it'd be a committee with Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown, who the Rams really like and just re-signed this offseason. I agree with you. Uh, I'm not going to have any Daryl Henderson because I want, I would say, three running backs and four wide receivers, my tight end, maybe my quarterback, depending on if I get Aaron Rodgers in the fifth. Um, Otherwise, I'm waiting for, like I said, Jameis Winston, Dak Prescott, even Kirk Cousins really late. So I won't draft Daryl Henderson any sooner than pick 105, maybe. Because I still believe in Malcolm Brown. I don't think it would just be all Daryl Henderson. So I agree with you on that. Uh, now, I want to talk about their tight ends. And this is only for deeper leagues. Now, especially best ball leagues. Do you think Gerald Everett has any fantasy appeal at all? Or Tyler Higby? I think in best ball leagues, uh, Gerald Everett is is in the mix for me as like a tight end three near the end of drafts. Just because he's tied to this Rams offense. And I think you know there's a chance. You know, we, we know touchdown production is so volatile and I still think this Rams offense is going to score a bunch of touchdowns this season and there's some chance that Everett gets you know six or seven of those touchdowns and if he does that you know you're talking about a top 12 tight end so I'm not super excited about him I don't I don't think there's going to be any point during the season where we're comfortable starting him in a lineup setting league but I think I think in best ball he makes sense near the end of drafts definitely not week to week I mean, I guess he has the upside. Who knows if he's going to be one of these guys like Gary Barnage morphed into one of those guys. It could happen. I'm not planning on it. But in terms of streamers, you've always got someone who's going up against, you know, the worst or second worst team against tight ends in the league. And so that's who you want to stream. Usually it was the Browns or the Giants or something along those lines. But if you don't have one of those guys, I think Gerald Everett's going to be the guy that I want to stream just because he's got that 
tight end upside. Even even Dallas Goddard, I'd be willing to stream because he's got he's going to score a touchdown one out of every three games, and that's what you're shooting for. It's touchdown or bust. Yeah, I mean, I, I wish Tyler Higby would just go away. I, if you combine Everett and Higby's numbers last season, you get tight end eight. I mean, that, that you know, that's the type of upside Everett would have without Higby there. Um, what worries me, I mean, Higby out-targeted Everett 8-7 to seven in the Rams' three playoff games last season. Obviously a small obviously a small sample size, but I mean, I, I, it seems like Higby is still part of the plan, and that, that just sort of caps Everett's upside. You know, this isn't especially fantasy relevant, but I'm so intrigued by this idea, right, that Blake Bortles was terrible in Jacksonville. But Sean McVay is the GOAT. Well, he's not the GOAT. Bill Belichick's the GOAT. Everyone knows that. Sean Payton's still probably number two, and McVay's right in the conversation, though. But if anything was to happen to Jared Goff, would you want to own Blake Bortles with Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, Todd Gurley, Daryl Henderson, and Sean McVay? Definitely. This might sound crazy, but Bortles might outproduce Goff in right. Los Angeles because... Because he runs. Exactly. He's not as good as a passer, but that running that running ability is just huge in fantasy. I mean, he was a top 12 fantasy quarterback three straight seasons in Jackson with Marquise Lee and uh, Alan Hearns as his wide receivers. Like, uh, he might not be good. I'm not saying he's any better than a top 30 quarterback in football. He might not be. But in fantasy, in this offense, this scheme, you know, these players, if anything happens to Jared Goff, I'm telling you, pick up Blake Bortles. Yeah, I agree. I think I think he'd be the number one <laughs> waiver wire grab of that week. That's wild, man. All right, wide receivers here. Uh, there's no point in even talking about anyone outside the big three here. Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. All three of these guys are going to be drafting the top 25 wide receivers. I'm assuming you like Cooks the most? I actually like Woods the most. Um, he came out, uh, He came out. I think, one spot higher in my rankings. Um, and I also think he gives you just the the, the most reliability from week to week. Uh, you know, we talked about Devonta Adams and DeAndre Hopkins uh, finishing top 36 every single week. Robert Woods was a top 36 wide receiver in 14 of 16 weeks last year. That was thir- that was third highest among wide receivers. So he, he just gives you that nice floor from week to week, which I, which I like to have, especially in you know standard lineup setting leagues. He's the man. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, ECR right now and, and ADP, and there's a pretty clear tier that ends with uh, Keenan Allen, Amari Cooper, Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, whatever order you want to put them in. Then right after that, it's Cooks, Woods, Julian Edelman, Kenny Galladay. I've got Cooks at the top of that, but yeah, Robert Woods is right behind him uh, with ECR 15, Robert Woods ECR 16, ADP 16, and 18. The thing I love about Cooks is, you're right, he's not as consistent to Woods, but four straight seasons of 1,000 yards, 115 targets, uh, he gets in the end zone as well. He's going to have those big weeks, and I don't mind so much having a guy who's going to disappear here and there as long as at the end of the season he's giving me more fantasy points. You know what I mean? Yeah, four straight 1,000-yard seasons with three different teams, which is pretty amazing. So yeah, I, And he's still young too. Yeah, I think he's an, I think he's an awesome player. Um, and I actually think Cooks is probably in for some positive touchdown regression this season. He scored just five times last year, but he actually led Rams wide receivers in both red zone targets and targets inside the 10 yard line. So we got a bit unlucky there. I think, you know, we could easily see him scoring seven or eight times this year. Yeah. And then Cooper cup ADP 19. I'm a little bit skeptical just because coming off a major injury and, you know, ACLs aren't what they used to be, but is he even going to be ready for week one? Exactly. Yes. I'm lower than consensus right now on cup. I just need to see him healthy. Um, didn't do much this spring. Sean McVay said the goal is to have him ready for week one. So, you know, didn't fully commit to that being the case. So maybe week five. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've got him. ADP again is, is 19. I've got him wide receiver 28. 
I'd take Golden Tate, Marvin Jones, Mike Williams, Corey Davis uh, ahead of him, DJ Moore. I'm not going to have any shares. Yeah, he's wide receiver 24 for me, so I'm yeah, I'm, I'm lower than ADP. All right, let's move on to the next team in the standings, and that was the Seattle Seahawks last year, 10-6. and six. Now, they had absolutely nothing besides Russell Wilson, who is so underrated, I mean, but they don't use him. Is this going to change this year? I don't think so because Brian Schottenheimer's back, and you know, he's already said this spring that you know, he, wants, <laughs> he wants to run, run, run. So unfortunately, um, I think volume is going to be an issue for Wilson again this season. Yeah, and the thing is, Russell Wilson's not the one running anymore. He used to be, and if he's going to throw the ball 450 times and he's not going to run the ball, he's not a top 12 quarterback in my mind. Right, so Wilson finished quarterback 10 last year, and that was despite an 8.2% touchdown rate, and that's that's a massive number. Yes, not sustainable. Not sustainable. You look at his first, uh, I think it was five or six years in the league, 5.7% TD rate. Even that's a high number. But it's it's you know two and a half percentage points lower. So I think his his touchdown production is coming down. So if his if his passing volume doesn't climb, I think he's going to have trouble even finishing as high as he did last year, which again was quarterback ten. Yeah, I got a lot of hate when I posted. You know, you get hate whenever you post your rankings, and a lot of it's in a loving way. You know, whatever. Some people are just jerks. Um, but when I posted that I've got Russell Wilson outside my top ten. I don't think there's ever been as much noise besides when I said I put butter on pizza. But Russell Wilson, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to get any shares. No doubt about it. I'd rather have Jameis Winston. Oh, easily Winston for me. I have Wilson at quarterback 14 in my rankings. Yes. All right. Man, we agree on so much. And it's a good thing Tags isn't on this show because he'd be making fun of us right now, even though he's wrong. Listen, I, I love Wilson as a player, but I mean, we're talking fantasy football. We're talking we're talking the numbers here. Exactly. You know, if, if I was drafting a quarterback to help me in the NFL— I'd take Wilson maybe even over Patrick Mahomes, and I know that's going to get me a lot of hate as well. Um, but, I mean, think about it. You put Russell Wilson in Andy Reid's offense. Come on, man, with all those players. Come on. That'd be beautiful. We're going we're gonna to look back at Wilson's career and just sort of be sad that he never really got to unleash him. Yeah, it's like Dan Marino, man. And, you know, Marino got to put up the stats and everything, but he wasn't on a good enough team to win a Super Bowl. But, I mean, Marino's one of the most talented quarterbacks of all time and wasted. Yeah, and I mean, we with Wilson, we haven't even talked about the fact that he lost Doug Baldwin. And I know Baldwin wasn't the same guy last year, but I still think it's a big loss because Baldwin was easily you know Wilson's favorite target for the past five or six years. Sure. Yeah, so do you think that it's going to be Lockett this year? Everyone seems to think so. Now, I think you probably know what I believe since the only thing I ever talk about is David Moore. But uh, do you think it's going to be Lockett who gets a huge bump in targets or is he just kind of a gimmick receiver? No, I, I'm a big Lockett fan. I do think he's going to see a bump in targets. Um, you know, whether it's enough in this run-heavy offense to be more than like a low-run wide receiver too, I'm not convinced about that. But yeah, I, I do think Lockett's going to be the clear lead dog in this passing game. 70 targets last year. That's obviously going up. But where are the rest of the targets going? Do you think that DK Metcalf's going to hold off more? Is it maybe someone crazy like Jaron Brown, Amara Darbo? Uh, who knows with uh, with uh, Carroll, right? Yeah, who knows? And, you know, Jaron Brown got some hype this spring as like a, you know, what would it be like a sixth or seventh year breakout guy? I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I'm intrigued by Metcalf. I'm intrigued by Gary Jennings, their other rookie out of I've West Virginia. I've been hearing that a lot. Can you talk a little bit about Gary Jennings? Because, frankly, we haven't covered him at all on the podcast. Yeah, you know, he um, was alongside David Sills at West Virginia. They both put up nice numbers, but I think Sills being there sort of prevented Jennings from putting up huge numbers. But he tested, tested really well at the combine. I liked the tape. 
Um, you know, the Seahawks, you know, spent a mid mid round pick on him. So I think he's in the mix there and what's going to be a wide open wide receiver core. I'm just for fantasy. I'm not sure it matters behind Lockett. I just don't know if there's enough volume in this passing game to support two fantasy relevant wide receivers. Yeah, I understand that with 450, 470 pass attempts, and that may go up a little bit, but it's not going up a ton. You know, it's interesting to me because Pete Carroll is as good at spotting talent as anyone in the NFL, and he doesn't care if you're a fifth-round pick, if you're undrafted. If you're the best player on the team, you're playing, period. Yep, that's completely right. And, you know, I'm going to keep an eye on David Moore, too, because he did flash at times last season. Um, He he just faded over the second half, which, which, which I don't like. Yeah, I didn't like that either. Uh, so I don't need to talk about David Moore anymore. I've done that way too much already this offseason. Uh, we don't need to talk about the tight ends. No one's drafting Nick Vanette. Come on. Let's talk about running backs. Chris Carson, Rashad Penny. I love Chris Carson. I love Rashad Penny. But I don't think that either of them, you know, this is going to disappoint a lot of people because if you were listening, you probably drafted Chris Carson in your best ball leagues because I hyped him up so much. I've changed my mind, guys. I I want both of them still. Don't hear me wrong, but I want both of them, not just Chris Carson. I think it's going to be a direct split. It's going to be a game-to-game, who's the hot hand, who's feeling the best. That's that's possible. Um, I think Rashad Penny was probably better than a lot of people think or realize last season. But I like both these guys, especially where you can get them in drafts. I mean, Chris Carson's like a fifth or sixth rounder. Penny goes a couple rounds later. It's going to remain a run-heavy offense. We've talked about that. Mike Davis leaves behind 112 carries and 42 targets. So, you know, even even if Carson maintains the same role he saw last season, Rashad Penny could also flirt with 200 carries and see a big chunk of those targets. So both of these guys could finish as top 30 running backs. So do you have the Seattle Seahawks finishing number two in this division, or do they get caught by one of these upstart teams? I would put my money on Arizona. I, I, love, I love what they're doing there. I think they're going to go... Seven and nine, eight and eight, and that might be good enough to finish number two in this division. That's interesting, man. I've got the 49ers number two and the Seahawks number three. It's all going to be really close between these three teams, I think. 49ers getting back Garoppolo, big upgrade over Nick Mullins. They also add Nick Bosa. They upgraded their offensive line. They upgraded their defense. They keep Dante Pettis, but they also have Marquise Goodwin. Jalen Hurd, I think, is going to be a breakout guy. Still have George Kittle. Add Tevin Coleman to the mix. Jarek McKinnon comes back. I like the 49ers this year. I don't think they're going to flirt with the playoffs, but um, so we'll talk about them next. I think they finished third last year, right? Who really cares when you get three and four wins? Yeah, the 49ers finished third with four wins. Uh, So let's talk about Jimmy G. Prior to last year, he played five games with the 49ers. Didn't really know the playbook that well. His best receiver was Marquise Goodwin. And if you prorate his games out to 16, he had 5,000 passing yards. But then last year, he was really bad before he got hurt. So I have no idea what to expect here. Exactly. I still don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo is good. I'm not sure how much it matters, though, because if you combine the 49ers quarterback stats last year, so, you know, three games of Garoppolo and then Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard, combine all their numbers and you get the quarterback 11. No, they don't. Are you serious? Quarterback 11. So that's a testament to Kyle Shanahan. Like you said. Holy cow. Like you said, they've added some weapons, Debo Samuel, Jalen Hurd. So I think Garoppolo, you know, he, again, he, he's in that big quarterback tier from like 10 to 20 where I'll take any of these guys and Garoppolo is much cheaper than he was last year he was a fade for me last year because he was going you know quarterback 10 to 12 somewhere in there now he's closer to quarterback 20 so if you're waiting I think Garoppolo's a pretty nice target just banking on Kyle Shanahan in his offense holy cow man I just moved him up in my rankings <laughs> you know I do that every once in a while when we're doing a podcast that's why we have these discussions before draft start is so we can really 
you know, hear what each other says and settle in our minds what the best analysis to give is. And, you know, if you say something that convinces me, that is an amazing stat. I had Jimmy Garoppolo QB 22 before this. And uh, like you said, there's not much of a difference between QB 10, which I have Dak Prescott, and QB 22, which I had Garoppolo. Uh, even you could put Josh Allen in that mix. Now, I don't want to play him every day, um, but over the course of a season, yeah, I think Josh Allen's probably going to finish in the top 15, 16 fantasy quarterbacks. And uh, all these guys are pretty much the same. So I'm not drafting any Jimmy G just because I don't know. And you do know about guys like, you know, Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, Phillip Rivers, Matthew Stafford, Lamar Jackson even. Um, so I don't know. There's really no need to do that unless you're in a two quarterback league. But sure, he's got a lot of upside. Yeah, that's fair. And again, I'm not reaching for Garoppolo, but if he's, you know, sitting there in the 12th round and I still need a quarterback, I definitely feel comfortable with him as my guy. So I haven't really wanted to talk about this, Jared, just because it makes me so sad and a little bit sick to my stomach. But holy cow, this running back core, Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida, Jarek McKinnon, what do you do? Like, is one of these guys going to just bust out and become an RB1 or are all three of them just going to be awful to own? I think if the Niners committed to one of these guys, that guy could, you know, be a top 15 fantasy running back. I think, again, it's a good situation in Shanahan's offense. 49ers running backs last year combined for almost 1,800 rushing yards. They averaged 4.9 yards per carry as a group. I just, you know, Shanahan's already said, you know, he wants this to be a committee, and I think his actions... What a jerk. <laughs> thinking about winning and not our fantasy teams, what a jerk. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, it's, it's going to be tough. I'm investing in this backfield in best ball where I don't have to worry about, you know, week to week, but in lineup setting leagues, I think it's going to be awfully tough to rely on these guys. You know, I really want to say, hey, Jerick McKinnon has a chance to be a top 10 running back, so I'm going to draft him, but I think it's pretty low, so I'm going to stay away from them completely. Best ball leagues, I'm with you. Yeah, you can draft any of these guys. I've got plenty of shares, but you never know if it's going to be like Austin Walter makes the team and he ends up getting a thousand rushing yards because it's Kyle Shanahan, so... I don't want any part of it, but let me ask you this, Jared, okay? If any of these guys did become the guy, if he does that, who's the Devonta Freeman in this 49ers offense? I think I think Jerick McKinnon has the best chance. You know, the, the Niners made a huge investment in him last offseason. They gave him a four-year, $30 million deal. That's, that's big money for a running back nowadays. And Kyle Shanahan was talking him up all last summer before the torn ACL, so... No, I, I think Tevin Coleman kind of showed in Atlanta that he's best in a secondary role. He's best in the Tevin Coleman role. Exactly. Right? Yeah, we, we don't <laughs> we don't know about McKinnon. You know, we we haven't seen him in a bigger role, but he also really hasn't gotten a chance. So I think if anyone's gonna you know sort of become the guy in this backfield, and again, I don't expect anyone to do it, but if if I was to bet on someone, it would be McKinnon. There are 500,000 haters listening to this right now who are saying, Jerk McKinnon's so small. Not 500,000, obviously. You guys know that. Uh, <laughs> who are saying, Jerk McKinnon's too small. There's no way he could be a workhorse. Hey, guys, uh, Devontae Freeman, 5'9", 209 pounds. Jerick McKinnon, 5'9", 216 pounds, and a much better athlete. There is a chance he's a top 10 running back. There is a chance, um, and he's going late enough in drafts. You know, I think he's like a ninth or tenth rounder. Where again, I think he's worth a shot. I'd still much rather have him in best ball, though. Yeah. All right. Wide receivers here. Are you one of these uh, Debo Samuel truthers? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't love him. I, I do like the landing spot. My concern with him is durability. He you know, missed a lot of time at South Carolina with injuries. Now he already missed time this spring with a hip injury, so he needs to prove he can stay healthy. I think so as well. I'm going to be all about Dante Pettis this year. I've got him quite a bit higher than most people. Now, granted. There's a couple other wide receivers in that range I like a lot more. I'm getting all the Marvin Jones shares. 
I'm getting a lot of Golden Tate shares. Even Allen Robinson, ADP 31. Are you kidding me? He's my wide receiver one on a lot of teams. Bring it on. So I don't have as many Dante Pettis shares, but at ADP 34, I think that's a bargain. I've got him wide receiver 28 because I don't trust Samuel right away. I don't trust Jalen Hurd for a couple years. Marquise Goodwin's going to get his. I even think Trent Taylor and Jordan Matthews are talented enough. Richie James, whoever's in this offense is going to produce, but right now I think it's Dante Pettis is the main guy. Yeah, I'm right with you. He's my wide receiver 29, so I'm a bit higher than ADP. Pettis was 23rd among wide receivers in PPR points over his final six games when he you know, finally got healthy last season, and that came on... 17.7% of San Francisco's targets. That's a number he could... Nick Mullins' targets, by the way. Nick Mullins' targets, exactly. And he, he could see a bigger share this season. He could get up to you know, 19, 20%. So I think um, Pettis is, is a pretty good value at ADP right now. I like that. So are you taking him over, let's say, Will Fuller? Yep, I have Fuller a couple spots lower. It's, it's tough, though, because Fuller, you know, I, I could talk about Fuller for 10 minutes, but he is just such a boomer bust guy. Um, you know, if, if, he's, if he's healthy... He's going to be in your lineup, and he's going to give you some weak winning performances. But, you know, tough to trust him to stay on the field, especially coming off the ACL. I think if he's healthy, he's the wide receiver three in his offense. I'm a Kiki <laughs> QT guy. I've got Will Fuller, wide receiver 44. So as you can imagine, no shares there. What about do you have Dante Pettis higher than Calvin Ridley? Yep. Uh, Ridley's at wide receiver 32 for me. Um, yeah. I just think, you know, you talk about Fuller being sort of a boom-bust guy. Ridley was the same way last year, and I sort of think that will continue just with Julio Jones as the clear lead target there. He's got a lot of talent, but come on, his ADP's 21 right now? That's crazy. Are you joking me? He had the crazy touchdown rate last year that's going to come down. He's going two rounds before Allen Robinson. I'm not I'm not into that. Um, okay, George Kittle, we already talked about where you would draft him. Uh, mid, early, third round, something along those lines. I'd take him... Um, back end of the second so we're we're pretty much in the same boat i wouldn't mind having him um i think he's great i think he comes down a little bit with you know a full season of dante pettis debo samuels there uh jalen hurd joining the crew and everything like that um but jimmy g does love his tight end so we'll see what happens there he does yeah um but with kittle 25.6 percent target share last season that was 10th not happening that was 10th league wide among all positions including wide receivers so that's going to come down um, I think it's going to be tough for him to match his 15.6 yards per catch. Yeah, so I won't have many shares. Let's move on over to the Arizona Cardinals to close out the show. And Kyler Murray, I don't know what to expect. I'll say this. I think he's a better rushing quarterback than Michael Vick. I think if he plays 16 games this year, I'm putting the over-under at 900 rushing yards. There's only been one quarterback in the history of football who passed 1,000 rushing yards, and it was Michael Vick one season. I think Kyler Murray has QB1 upside as a rookie. I also think if you draft him, it's too early. He could kill you. He might not even start in week one. I know they're saying he's going to, but who would fault them if they put Brett Hundley out there? They're not going to win this year. They let Kyler Murray, you know, learn the offense, um, figure things out before he goes out there and gets killed with his little frame. I mean, I'd be very surprised if he's not under center week one, but I guess we'll see. The nice thing about drafting Murray, and I do agree there's obviously some risk here because he's a rookie quarterback who just started for one season in college. So, you know, the the the, the track record is pretty short on him. But the nice thing about quarterback position is there's going to be some viable options on your waiver wire. So if you do draft Murray and he bombs the first couple of weeks, you know, you're going to be fine. You're going to find someone like a Jimmy Garoppolo might be available in leagues. 
I think you're right. Yeah, it's kind of like Mitch Trubisky, where Mitch Trubisky could be a top five guy because of his rushing upside. I mean, he flashed at times. Kyler Murray obviously has more upside, obviously more boom or bust. And so I don't mind drafting a guy like that in a one quarterback league where, you know, you're not in a family and friend league where everyone's taking two quarterbacks and suddenly you're streaming Marcus Mariota or Nick Foles or something like that. If you're in a league where they draft, you know, 15 quarterbacks are drafted and you can get Matthew Stafford off the waiver wire any week. And then the next week you get Tom Brady and the next week you get, uh, you know, Big Ben or whatever. Yeah, that's fine. Draft Kyler Murray, who could be a home run. Um, Now, do you think he's a better passer than Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson? Oh, I don't think think it's even close. Likewise. And Lamar Jackson, what I'm saying is he was a top 12 quarterback last year. He's a great rusher, but he's not as good of a rusher as Kyler Murray in my mind. Exactly. So Murray, just the second quarterback in FBS history to throw for 4,000 yards and run for 1,000 yards in a season. The only other one, Deshaun Watson. And you know, we've seen the type. Colin Kaepernick was really close, wasn't he? He was close. Yep. And you know, we've seen the upside Watson has brought to fantasy lineups. Even Colin Kaepernick obviously was a big fantasy asset. So the rushing quarterback, I think, remains undervalued in most fantasy leagues. So ADP quarterback 12 right now. That's ahead of some uh, some really good guys. Jameis Winston, QB 16. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to have any shares of Murray because I've got Jameis Winston once again. I have Murray at quarterback 10. I have Jameis Winston Ooh. at quarterback 9. <laughs> All right. So. All right. So you'll probably have a lot of shares of Winston too. Unless you're in my league, then I won't <laughs> let it happen. Sorry. That's fine. All right. We talked about David Johnson pretty extensively. Now, what about Chase Edmonds? Is he someone you want to stash at the end of your bench just in case? I think as far as handcuffs go, he's you know one of the, the best ones out there. Um, I think he's clearly the number two guy there. So if something happens to David Johnson, um, you know, he's going to be the guy. I, I don't think, though, there's going to be enough to go around for Edmonds to be an asset when David Johnson is healthy. I agree. I think most weeks I'll rank Chase Edmonds around running back 55. That is not someone you want to start. If David Johnson went down, Edmonds would be the guy, though, right, in in a very good Cliff Kingsbury offense. Yeah, I think he would be. I mean, I don't see anyone else on the roster now who should really threaten that role. Edmonds was okay as a rookie in a tough situation. And yeah, I mean, I, I want pieces of this Kingsbury offense. You you mentioned early um, about the the pace that he's going to bring to this Cardinals team. You know, they were one of the worst in the league last year as far as offensive snaps. Kingsbury, um, his uh, Texas Tech squads were pretty consistently near the top of the NCAA in offensive snaps. So I think, you know, you're going to see a big boost there. So if something happened to David Johnson, I think Edmonds would see enough volume to be a fantasy starter. I think so too. I think he'd be, uh, I won't say a high-end RB2, but he has that kind of upside, maybe even to be an, an RB1. I mean, heck, Gus Edwards was an RB1 when he was playing at the end of the year. So that stuff does happen. I don't care about owning the direct handcuff. If I have Johnson, that's fine. I'll get Edmonds, but it doesn't have to be that way. If I don't have Johnson, I still want Edmonds. No, I'd rather have Daryl Henderson. I'd rather have Justin Jackson, uh, a couple guys along those lines. But yeah, Chase Edmonds, I think, is one of the best backup running backs just because of the situation. No competition, running a ton of plays with Kyler Murray. They're going to run the ball a lot. So he's someone I like. I've got quite a few shares in best ball leagues. Uh, Now, tight end, Ricky Seals-Jones, Max Williams, Charles Clay, no interest, right? No interest, at least for now. I mean, there's too many guys there. If we get a clear winner, then some interest probably is like a streamer. Kingsbury's offense is at Texas Tech. Beyond Jason Mara, who had one big season under Kingsbury, um, he didn't really utilize a tight end in his passing game. And this Cardinals team, you know, is suddenly pretty deep at wide receiver with all the additions they made. So I don't, I don't think the tight end is going to play a big role. I agree with that. Not interested in any of those guys. We'll see what happens. It could happen, but I'm not banking on it. Now, wide receiver, Larry Fitzgerald is 4,000 years old. 
but he is also the man. So where are you drafting him? I think I'm drafting him a bit ahead of ADP, and he's a tough guy to get excited about. And I think we'll have to see how Kingsbury feels about Fitz and how he fits into his offense. I think you know there's a chance Kingsbury wants to go with these younger guys, but you know as of now, you know Fitz was still pretty good last year when you look at the the you know situation he was in. So I think if if he's on the field, um, he he should still be pretty productive. Yeah, he went 150 targets, 161, and then last year 112. Now, granted, they ran a slower offense like I talked about, but then they add Andy Isabella. They've got Christian Kirk. They've got Hakeem Butler. You could say Chad Williams is in the mix, Kevin White, if you want to mention him. Trent Sherfield was actually good at the end of last season, and then they're going to be passing the ball a ton, obviously, to David Johnson. So I don't love Larry Fitzgerald this year, but then when I look at ADP, it's like, okay, I guess I probably will have some shares. ADP wide receiver 39 for a guy who's always a lot better than that, and they're going to run a lot more plays. I've got him as wide receiver 35 right behind um, Geronimo Allison, who is uh, <laughs> way, drafted way later than that, so I can wait on Allison and, and, and take Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, Fitz is at uh, wide receiver 40 for me, so I'm, I'm in the same ballpark. All right, the other wide receivers, what do you think? Andy Isabella going to do anything this year? Christian Kirk, Kim Butler? Well, Christian Kirk's the guy I'm excited about. Um, I, I liked him as a prospect coming out. I think his rookie year was probably better than a lot of people realize. Um, he actually beat... Larry Fitzgerald pretty handily in uh, some of the you know efficiency metrics like yards per target, yards per route run, and as far as targets go, they were they were pretty close. Um, in Kirk's twelve games last year, he saw nineteen percent of the Cardinals' targets. Fitz was at twenty one point eight. I could see those numbers flipping this year. I would not be surprised at all if Kirk leads this team in targets. And again, it's an offense I'm excited about. So if I can get the you know number one wide receiver in this Cardinals' offense, I'm I'm I'm, I'm definitely interested in that. I think most people would consider Kirk the number one. His ADP right now is wide receiver 33, ahead of Dante Pettis, which we talked about earlier. And so I'm not going to have any shares of Christian Kirk. I don't have him too much lower. I've got him at wide receiver 40, um, right there with James Washington, Kiki QT, and guys like that. So, um, But I'm not going to have many shares, if, if any at all. Yeah, wide receiver 38 for me, so uh, lower than ADP. But I don't think wide receiver 33 is crazy. I, I you know definitely think he has that type of upside. Yeah, I'd just rather have Marvin Jones, so I will. I'll get all the Marvin Jones. I'm I'm going to talk about him every show for the next week. Um, okay, uh, so anyone else? Uh, Hakeem Butler, Andy Isabella, would you get any shares? You know, late in best ball drafts, I have taken a few shares of Andy Isabella. Um, you know, they obviously made a pretty big investment in him, second-round pick. He, he really checked every box as a prospect. He had huge college production at UMass. Um, you know, he even had some rushing production at UMass, which I like to see. I think, you know, we could see Kingsbury hand the ball off to Isabella a few times this season, ran the four, three, something 40 times. So Isabella is interesting. I sort of want to see him emerge as the clear number three wide receiver before I'm going to, you know, consider him in lineup setting leagues. I have zero interest whatsoever in Isabella in redraft leagues. Cause he's going to be one of these guys. You play him one week and he gets zero Traquan Smith. You play him another week, he gets 21 because he's going to break two long runs for a touchdown. Best ball leagues, I've got so much Andy Isabella. Uh, but redraft leagues, be careful, guys. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. All right, Jared, that is all for today's show. Awesome stuff. Really enjoyed having you on. Hope we can do it again. Yeah, I, I had a good time. Thanks for having me on. It's our pleasure. And guys, please give Jared a follow if you don't already on Twitter. He's at SmolaDS. I'm at Bobby Fantasy Pro. And I want to remind you all that we've got that deal going on with Yahoo DFS. If you deposit $10 to Yahoo DFS by going to fantasypros.com slash offer, you'll get a six-month free Hall of Fame subscription. That's a $65 value. Gets you access to all our premium features and tools, our premium content, and that's going to last you all through the fantasy football season. $10 deposit that you can win money with 
for $65 value. And thanks also to the sponsors of today's show, pristineauction.com. That's P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E auction.com. And you can sign up for our Travis Kelsey helmet giveaway at fantasypros.com slash contest. And also for Roman, where you can go to getroman.com slash fantasypros to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Check out getroman.com slash fantasypros. For Jared Smola, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening, and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve